Well, we come to our time of worshiping God through, through the word here, and uh, we've been walking through Luke's account of God coming to us, of Jesus, and the story of his coming, his life, his death, and resurrection. And so if you have a Bible or Bible app, you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Uh, we have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you if you'd like to follow along that way as well. Growing up, one of my uh, uh, in, in our home at Christmas time, uh, my parents, as we were little ones and young, they, they talked of Santa, and uh, of course, you know, as you uh, uh, sing songs in in grade school too and at home, you you've got uh, uh, all kinds of different lore and 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 uh, um, messages about Santa and and. And his coming on Christmas to bring gifts. And of course, since one of the songs we've got, right? He talks about he's making a list, checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I kind of got this idea and uh, it would maybe parents kind of used this a little manipulatively of like, if you keep that behavior up, you're going to be on Santa's naughty list. And I got this idea that once I was on the naughty list, I couldn't get off the naughty list. Anybody else kind of got that impression, that feeling a little bit? There's this sense that we have, even though... Jesus is the gift giver. Jesus is the king. And I'm trying very hard not to unveil any messages about Santa that parents don't want to unveil right now. In real life, we can get the message and we can kind of have this feeling that we can ruin God's plan. That we may have done something, that, 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 that our decisions, that sins in our lives, selfishness. We can think of big mistakes and maybe it's little things over time. And we, just, we, we have this feeling like I am stuck on the naughty list. I, I am stuck outside of God's race. There's no way he could love me. In fact, what I've done has thwarted God's plan. I, uh, he, he, I've gotten in God's way. He, he can't work through me. He can't save me. I've messed it up. And we have the sense of being stuck in our darkness, stuck in sin, stuck in God's way. As we're going to see in today's passage you can't get in God's way. You can't stop the unstoppable God. God's salvation plan and pursuit of us is unstoppable. This is good news. We pray before we jump in. God, we just ask that you would break in today and open our hearts to hear this profound truth, Lord God. 
that for Zechariah was so moving. Lord, that we can't stop your pursuit of us. We can't stop your plan from being accomplished. You are sovereign. You are in control. You are powerful and you will accomplish your purposes. Lord, let that good news grip us today. Spirit, I need you to come upon me, your servant, that I may merely just be a vessel, be a mouthpiece. Come and fill me, this broken, sinful man. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's jump in here. Chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by his name. And they made signs to his father, to Zechariah, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God and fear came on all their neighbors. And these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them upon their hearts saying, what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord was with him. For those of you who are just joining us today and, and, and may not be familiar with the story here. We jump in and we're, we're talking about these people, Elizabeth and, and Zachariah. And they, they were an older couple in their 60s that had been visited by God. They'd never been able to have children, been barren. Grieving that loss, those empty arms for so many years and the hope of a family, the hope of a name under the shame of not having children because that was perceived as a a curse from God to to be barren and not have children. And miraculously, supernaturally, God shows up. He communicates through an angel to Elizabeth and and Zachariah, excuse me, explaining his purpose that I am going to cause you to be pregnant through the natural means. Even when you're 60, I'm going to cause you to be pregnant and your son is going to be significant because he's going to be the sign that, that I'm sending my Savior. He's preparing the way. Zechariah, receiving this news from an angel, a, a supernatural visit, the presence of God, right before him, telling him this news, and, and he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe an angel talking to him that this will happen. And God explains... As a result of your distrust in me, as a result of your unbelief, you're going to be mute. You're going to be silent. Well, these events, as you can imagine, small towns, most of us, all of us here from small towns, and 
word gets round, you know what I'm saying? People will share prayer requests, of course. They spread the news of what they've heard or observed and seen. And news travels fast that it's not very common, even back then, for 60-year-old women to be, to be pregnant. Something's happening. There's wonder. People are excited, of course, for them that we hear here. The neighbors and relatives, they're excited and rejoice. God has shown mercy. God has opened Elizabeth's womb. She's, God's removed the shame from the family. And all this time, Zechariah is silent, mute. He can't speak. Another part of this is, makes us wonder. And many wives may have been jealous that their husband couldn't talk for nine months. Some of you wives feel like your husband already is mute and you'd love to hear more from him. It comes to pass, the nine months. You can imagine for Zechariah, in the moment, he didn't believe. He was, he, 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 he was clearly convinced our infertility is an inability for God to work. But as he saw the gestation of John, the, the gift of God, uh, and, 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 and her, his wife grow and be able to feel the baby. You, guys, you, pregnancy is such a different experience for us men. We can be so detached from it. And it's oftentimes it's, it's, it's that time where we actually get to feel that baby move. And all of a sudden, there's kind of a connection that, that our, our wives have had all along, but all of a sudden we have, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a dad. I'm, this, is, this is really happening. And the reality reinforces itself over and over. And, and John, of course, or excuse me, and Zechariah being mute and unable to speak, and, and, and that reminder of his sin, he didn't trust God. He didn't believe in God. Elizabeth was the rock the entire time, her faith solid. And it comes, and John is born. I have a sense that, and wonder that, that, that John probably at some point in time wondered, my sin, my unbelief, could God work through that? I was standing in God's way. But no, the mercy of God that he showed me that, 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 that even my sin couldn't stop and wouldn't stop God in his mercy and giving us a child that we don't deserve. And there's so much hubbub going around. And, and, and one of these unique scenarios, some of you may have these kind of families uh, or, or extended family kind of scenarios where everybody shows up and thinks that they have a, 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 a part in your decisions and your daily life. And so they got the whole town. And it's kind of like you got too many cooks in the kitchen. They're all wanting to name John. They're all convinced by some reason that uh, he should be named uh, along his father's line. It's, 
various different scholars uh, question about what was really tradition at that time in terms of the naming. But it was certainly not common to, to name a child some arbit- a seemingly arbitrary name that's not part of the family tree. And everybody's saying it should be Zachariah and Elizabeth. Of course, she's mom. And, and they would, you think they would listen to Elizabeth. And she says his name is John. And of course, no. Women at this time, of course, were, did not have the sense of respect and honor and, and, and dignity and, and position. They were not trusted. And so they looked to Zechariah. And they start making signs to Zechariah. Now, this is funny. Zechariah wasn't deaf. Don't we do this kind of at times? Like we, we assume, like especially with our brothers and sisters who, who are from other nations, or second language learners, and we think that somehow that uh, speaking louder will make them understand what we're saying. Is No, they speak a different language. They're not deaf. John, Zechariah wasn't deaf. He was mute. He couldn't speak, but he could hear. All little bits of humor that God's word gives us. John writes down. You can imagine that John, as he's hearing all this going on, and they're not listening to his wife, and who, who knew God had spoke to her. She was faithful, and she actually trusted the Lord, and and, and she was telling the truth. And and you can imagine, like this is my time to 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 redeem myself from my unbelief. And eagerly grabs a, 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 a parchment or a board and, and writes on it, his name is John. Not his name will be John. His name is John. Zechariah declaring something that God had already ordained. God had already said and determined. This wasn't his decision. It was already done. His name is John. All of these things... Pregnancy, Zechariah's mute, inability to talk, and then all of a sudden he can speak. And he's praising God. All these things, you can imagine being a bystander and seeing all these things go, it's getting funky up in here. This, 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 is, this, this ain't how things go around here. And wondering what is going on. There's something about this child that's special. And everybody wonders. Everybody's talking about it. Zechariah, in response, bursts out. In prophetic song and worship. Zechariah, I truly believe, as he had got caught up initially, my infertility is an inability for God to work. My my situation, my, my, my circumstance, God can't work here. And then, and then after his unbelief, that wrestling with that entire time, is this child gonna live? 
He'd read the story about David and his adultery, and that child didn't live because of his sin. And for him to come to this place in this moment of my sin didn't keep God from his mercy upon me. My inability, my infertility, my circumstance couldn't, didn't keep God from accomplishing his plan or his purpose. We oftentimes will put God in a box and thinking he's limited like we are. But God's plan is unstoppable. God's pursuit of us is unstoppable. God breaks in to this human existence in the darkness. And, and, and I imagine that we have all in some place and some time wondered that about ourselves. God, can you continue to pursue me? Do you continue to love me? You continue to, to work in my, in my life. I've messed up again. There's no way that you can. You love me and you would continue to bless. That you would be near me. We think of our circumstances being so dark or, or, or the time in this world. And we think there's so much evil. There's so much suffering. How can God be at work? How can God exist? How can God come and save and make all things right? We, and, we, and in our mind, we, we, we create this box that is limited by our own humanity and by our, our own human abilities. But as what the angel told Mary... Nothing is impossible with God. Zechariah, overwhelmed by the mercy of God, and God pursued him. God, God did, did not let his sin keep him from him or his mercy and blessing, but God pursued Zechariah. God showed mercy on him. And that's the nature of it. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we, we somehow were good enough and we're on the good list and not the naughty list and now we get good things. Friends, we're all on the naughty list. And none of us deserve the goodness of God. It is His mercy. That word that we're going to hear throughout this, it's His mercy. It is God who is good, not us. And it is God who pursues because He loves you, because He created you and formed you for Himself. And it's no matter what you've done in your circumstances, there's nothing that can keep the God of heaven, your creator, from having you and loving you and pursuing you. That's mercy. He does not give us what we deserve. Unless, unless we reject him. Unless we keep just saying, no, I don't, I don't want it. Unless in our false humility saying, no, I'll pay for it myself, Jesus. I can't accept your love. God will not overrule your freedom of will. We must allow ourselves to be caught by the hound of heaven. And, and, and Zechariah. He could have wallowed in self-pity. He, he, he could have been bitter and God called me. He made me mute and, and railed against. You know, sometimes we do that when we have struggles in our lives. And when God's teaching us lessons and we get pissed at him and it's all your fault. And you, I'm not going to believe in you. And we have these little two-year-old tantrums as adults. And 
Because we're not willing to be humble and receive his, his mercy. He wants, to, he wants us to change and grow. His kindness. He disciplines those he loves. It's not because he is angry at us. No, Zechariah receives. He receives. And, 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 and he'd been waiting for an opportunity in faith to obey. You see, God's unrelenting pursuit of us. God's unrelenting, uh, un- unstoppable sovereign plan in human history, isn't a cause for us to say, okay, you're going to do it anyways. You're, you're going to accomplish your purpose anyway. So I, I'm, just, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to let you do your thing, God. It doesn't matter what I do. No, it does. Because he's called us to be in a relationship. Zechariah responds to God in relationship and obedience Seeing God's sovereign plan, of seeing God's mercy to him, his forgiveness, it leads him to oh, obedience. It leads to him to pursue the Father. It leads to him to worship the Father, not wallow in self pity, not give up. And so we turn now to Zechariah's song, verse sixty-seven through eighty. Follow along. And John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, To show the mercy promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham. To grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies. Might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you child will be called the prophet of the most high. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and guide our feet in the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in the spirit was in the wilderness until the day of public appearance to Israel. In this spirit-filled moment, Zechariah is speaking words that, that, are, that, that are so deep and so profound, truths of God revealed for all of humanity. He's speaking beyond his knowledge. This is something the Holy Spirit is doing, not just for John, not just for the hearers, but for even for us today. And in his worship, in his blessing of the Lord, of his working, it's not just for, for God's mercy on Zechariah and Elizabeth with, the, with, with, with a child. But this child is part of something bigger. He's just merely a, 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 a pebble dropping in, in, in the process of God creating a tidal wave of redemption. Blessed be the God and Father of Israel. Zechariah sings and he speaks of something profound here. 
of a historic tidal wave, of an ancient avalanche, of a force at work that cannot be stopped. He talks about this raising up a horn of salvation. The horn is, in the Old Testament, it's a sign of the power. So so he's saying he's raised up the, the power to save God's people through the house of David. As he, in verse 70, he says, as he spoke through the holy prophets. He's already indicating this, this, this was already something that was percolating in the prophets. The prophets spoke 700 years prior to this. God himself is coming. A redeemer is coming. A savior is coming. A king is coming. 700 years earlier, there was echoes. There was stirring of the, the, the waters of eternity. But even more than that, he speaks here to show, verse 72, to show mercy promised to our fathers. What is this mercy? Because God's people, the people that God had chosen to raise up in order to reveal to all the world, I'm the one true God. I am going to save you. You're this brokenness and evil and injustice and sin in this world. And I'm going to save you from yourselves. You as a nation are going to point to all the world about my existence And they failed, and they failed. They turned away repeatedly. No, we want to be our own gods. No, we want to do our own thing. No, we want to to join the culture around us, and we want to be like them, and we want to worship the gods of money and sex and materialism and all these things. And they were given over to their sin and conquered by other nations. And God promised, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to save 500 years before this song, these promises of mercy. And then in 73, he speaks of this oath he swore to this Abraham. The stirring of these eternal waters, this, this tsunami of God's work. In 2,000 years prior to Jesus, God had said and chosen uh, what appears to be a random man named Abram, in some foreign land, he says, I'm going to create a nation through you, and I'm going to reveal myself to the world. I'm going to create a nation. I'm going to bless you as a nation, and through you, I'm going to bless all of humanity. 2,000 years prior. Zechariah is singing of this movement of God, these purposes of God that were not accidental. Jesus coming, God with us is not plan B. It's always been plan A. God knew when he created humanity that we would still choose ourselves and reject him and that God the Son and God the Father and God the Spirit had a plan knowing Jesus would come and have to die and take hell in our place. God's redemptive plan has been building and building and building. And like a tidal wave after an earthquake, like an avalanche. Uh, kiddos with your, with your parents here, I want, you to, I want you to talk about this question. Can you stop a tidal wave? Kiddos, with your parents, can you stop a tidal wave? No! I'm hearing some clear no's. You can't stop a tidal wave. Nothing can stop a tidal wave. It'll have to work itself out. Nothing can stop God's redemptive purposes. God's plan. Check this out in Isaiah. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. 
Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Can I get an amen? Can you stop God's plan? Can you stop God's plan? Hey, parents, the kids totally outdid you. (laughs) They get it. Hey, the Vikings just came back 33 points. Jesus came and died and he's coming again. Can you thwart God's plan? Can anything stop God's plan? No. 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 Not just his plan in all of eternity, but friends, not even his pursuit, his mercy towards you. You can't stop God's pursuit of you, nor his plan of all eternity. What should this do in us? His song, Zechariah explains... God's coming, God's, God's, God's tidal wave of redemption, his avalanche of love and mercy. It should lead us, in verse 74, that we might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness all our days. When he turns to John in this intimate moment and speaking over John, he speaks of the purposes of of John preparing the way. There's this knowledge of salvation in the forgiveness of our sins because of God's mercy. Where God will come to us and, and, and give light to our darkness and guide us. We should be changed when we understand that God's plan cannot be undone. And God's sovereignty, God's control of accomplishing his purpose does not in any way eliminate our freedom of will and our personal responsibility. That's hard for us to hold intention. But these are truths that coexist. And they shouldn't cause us to distance, but cause us to come near in awe before God that he can accomplish his purposes even through my freedom of will, even through my sin, even through my brokenness, even in the midst of a world that is riddled and infected with evil and injustice. God has come to change me. His mercy, his coming to us is to change you and me. Because the sunrise shall visit us from on high. God himself desires not just to come to us, but God be God in us. Oftentimes, we think of Jesus like Santa, that he comes to bring us gifts. Thank God Jesus is not like Santa. Amen? Jesus is the gift. There was, a, there was a family in Pittsburgh. The father is a, um, 
is in the military and deployed, and and his and their son desired for Christmas one thing. I want to see my daddy. I want to see my daddy. And the family had coordinated and dad had, 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 had worked it out so he could come back home for Christmas. And he wraps himself up in a box for his son to open. And everybody, of course, you know, you're recording this and, and everybody can see and they're watching and, 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 and they bring the, you know, the son in to open the gift. And, and, and they're all like, oh, what is it? Oh, my goodness. This is a big gift. And, they, and he's opening it up to, to find out what is inside. And his dad comes out. And the son pushes dad aside and looks in the box and says, is there more? Is, where's, the, where's the gifts, dad? Where's the... No, that's not what happened. Watch the video. This military dad decided to get his son one of the best gifts for Christmas. What do you think it is? I don't know. I don't have an idea yet. I think you're going to like it. And what's inside the box is really going to melt your heart. What's in there? What this clip doesn't show is that for minutes, that son just clung to his father in tears. Jesus coming to us is God's gift to us. We have everything we need for for life, for godliness, everything in Jesus. God has given himself to us. There's nothing in this life that we ultimately need outside of him. He coming to us. He coming not just to, for us, but to live in us, to change us, to enable us to have fullness of life now. Not just, not just a life, not just getting by. Friends, everything we need. Do we believe that? He's come for you, friends, to change us and to give us more than we could possibly imagine to be in us and to live through us. There's a poet, his name's Francis Thompson. He wrote a poem entitled The Hound of Heaven. In this, in this poem, he explains his own persistent pursuit of himself. He's falling back into sin. A couple lines, you can go to the slide there. Just a couple lines from his poem here. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter up visted hopes I sped and shot, precipitated, in very 1890s kind of language, he beautifully describes our, our, our persistent running away from God and turning to ourselves and failing and falling. But God is even more persistent. Fear wouldst 
wishes to evade, but love will pursue. Still with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy came on the following feet. He speaks of the hound of heaven. God is like a hound in pursuit. We see this every day with Nacho as he sits perched looking out the back window. Is that bunny going to come out? Because I'm going to get him. It's an unrelenting pursuit. God is like a hound and he's in pursuit of you. You cannot hold God back. He will not stop. You can't stop his sovereign purposes. Nothing can. He's in pursuit. His plan will be accomplished in this life. And he will never stop coming with his love towards you. But friends, we must surrender. Will you let yourself be caught in his love? Will you let yourself receive his kindness? Will you let yourself trust his plan will not fail? And that you can act and you can live in in courageousness, in certainty, not in insecurity anymore, because God will accomplish his purposes. And that's good news, amen? Good enough to go tell it on a mountain. Amen. Let me pray. And then I'll have our kiddos come up as they sing and instruct us to tell the good news. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your unrelenting pursuit of us. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not enough that you would catch us, but God, that you would possess us, that you would live in and through us. God, Lord, we settle for so much less. Lord, we, 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 we get caught up in lies of, of <coughs> that our sin somehow inhibits you from, from loving us or our sin inhibits you from working through us. Lord God, whether it's, whether it's even things that have been done to us by others. God, whether we've been abused and taken advantage of, whether, whether we have committed great acts of sin or little, Lord God, whether we've stolen or lied or we've committed adultery, we've given a lust, we've, we've thought suicidal uh, thoughts, Lord Jesus. We've, we, Lord God, there, the, whatever it is, you cannot be held back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being that hound of heaven. Thank you for pursuing us, oh God. Even when we stiff arm you, God. We worship you. Lord, let us take this good news and not just keep it to ourselves, but share it, God. In your name we pray. Amen.